When you realize what your future can be, you want to do it right. UCF Online offers more than 100 fully online programs, plus personalized support from success coaches, so you can get to the future that's right for you. From the University of Central Florida Center for Distributed Learning, I am Tom Cavanaugh. And I am Kelvin Thompson. And you are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. I've heard of that before. I have too. Mm-hmm. Speaking of hearing, yes. do we sound any different? I sound the same, but you sound different. <laughs> well, I haven't done anything, Kelvin. Yeah, well, you, you have, though. Yeah. You have. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, should we start there? Sure, start there. So, uh, you know, listening audience, those who are maybe watching this online may, may have already noticed, but for the listening audience, we are back in the studio mm-hmm. after two years of not being in the studio. Mm-hmm. So TopCast, like the rest of the world, rolled with the pandemic upheaval, mm-hmm. kept producing. Not only did we keep producing, but right before the, <laughs> uh, the start of the pandemic, we had made a decision to go to twice a month. Yes. And we kept that commitment mm-hmm. through the last two years. And now we are finally back in the room together, Kelvin. So it's, it's lovely to see you. Likewise, likewise. Yeah, we, I looked it up yesterday. If if the records are right, it was February twenty second, twenty twenty. We were last in this room, and we did a wraparound recording for the um, distance learning course fee episode, wow. which then aired at the beginning of March, I want to say. But by the time we were due to record the next one, it had all fallen apart. Yeah, the whole world changed. Yeah, and so then we were doing the remote thing, and, and then we picked up those uh, those field reports. We did eight of those, right? And we kind of right. focused on the, you know, kind of pandemic response in the top of the month episode for you know eight months. Um, but yeah, we've been monitoring kind of the circumstances, COVID data, all of that, and like, okay, we think it's maybe time. And we've talked about well, we could keep doing it remote. I mean, it's working all right but certainly convenient <laughs> yes i had to walk all the way across the street tom oh my goodness i know and it's, it's hot said, well it's, it's kind of lovely today it's but, actually a great day today. but i still sweated a little bit but uh you know we've talked about this m- many times during the last couple of years that we can notice an audio quality difference and we can notice uh it's more you're more prone to step on each other and uh there's just a just a minute amount of lag yeah it's just a different dance yeah. when you're doing the zoom thing you know. It is true. It is true. And although, you know, credit to Tim and, oh, yes. and the whole team that um, we came up with ways to ensure a certain level of quality that did not rely a on Zoom. Level. A certain level of a quality. Certain, no, seriously. Yes. No, that, I got you. that was not Zoom dependent. Um, nothing against Zoom, but sometimes the internet connections weren't yeah. always great that's right. or, yeah, that's right. you know, audio issues or microphones weren't mm-hmm. quite what they mm-hmm. all could be. And I, I don't think there was any sort of noticeable drop-off no, 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 no. in production value. No, but I mean, I think you and I having having experienced this said, well, we could, but you know, it'd be kind of nice to go back into the other. Yeah, so yeah. we'll keep an eye. If we need to, to, to go remote, we'll go to remote. But we should note, though, as so much of the things that you, you're not necessarily going back to what you did, but you're going to some approximation. We've kept some stuff, right, from from the pandemic era. So if you're watching this, 
you wouldn't have used to be watching this. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's new because we weren't recording video prior to the pandemic. And it just became ubiquitous and no harder to record video uh, as audio during um, during the remote sessions. A little extra work on Tim's part. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. But Tim said, you know, okay, I, I can make that happen. Yeah. And so God bless him. Here we yeah. are. We're doing video and audio. So, Kelvin, that's not the only special mm -mm. thing about today's episode. Yes, it's what a very special, special topic. Yeah, very special. That's our joke. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, it's true, Tom. It it's, true. Very, it's very true. <laughs> so this, right now, we're doing it. This is it right here. We're doing it. Season 8 kickoff, Tom. Season 8? Seven years behind us. We've done this nonsense for seven, seven years. Years, Holy I kid you not, cow. and it gets it gets more interesting. I, I don't know how I didn't know this, but with this episode, we also cross a bit of a threshold. With this episode, we've done slightly more twice a month episodes than we have done monthly episodes. Really? With this episode, it will be fifty-seven twice a month episodes. Most of those during the pandemic response, yes. and fifty-six monthly episodes. 4.6 seasons of monthly stuff. 2.3 seasons of the, the duo episodes. Wow. I don't know what to say. Yes. Isn't yeah, that interesting? That is an interesting stat. Um, I like to watch the Orlando Magic games, and one mm -hmm. of the announcers <laughs> does this bit where he says, is this a thing? And he comes up with some odd stat. And then the the guys in the truck vote either with a buzzer or a ding if it's a, if it's a thing. Yeah. And sometimes it's not. But it is weird, right? I mean, just I mean, I'm just still struck by most of well, not now most, but up until now, a lot of our catalog, four years basically, four plus years of our catalog, were you know a long time ago, and and. As much of that has happened just in the two years. That's weird. That is weird, yeah. yeah. Out of seven. Interesting. Yes, yeah. but that's not why we're here. That is not why we're here. <laughs> but hey, thanks. If you've been with us from the beginning, thank you. We appreciate it. We do, yeah. yeah. And we know there are people out there who have been listening mm -hmm. since the beginning, and we, we are grateful. We, we wish that it. your standards were higher, but nevertheless... <laughs> We appreciate yeah, you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for those who might not have been listening from the beginning, yes. who are new, yes. and um, we're wondering what the those sounds were as <laughs> as we were talking earlier. That was those were the dulcet gurgles the dulcet from gurgles. the famous Kelvin Thermos. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, part of our thing is uh, it's a collegial conversation with a couple of colleagues over a cup of coffee. That's right. It's a lot of alliteration That's right. for anxious anchors from <laughs> broadcast news. Um, so you've you've poured a cup uh, yes. for each of us yes. from your trusty thermos. Yes. What is in the thermos? So, Tom, today's coffee is a single origin Tanzania uh, from that Coffee of the Month Club that uh, I've had this, this past year. And I haven't had that many Tanzanian coffees. There's a local uh, coffee place that... Um, had a had believe it or not a Tanzanian theme, and so they featured a Tanzanian pea berry. But other than that, I don't know that I've had any. And it turns out that the history of Tanzanian coffees is a, a bit multifaceted. Coffee hasn't been just one thing there through the centuries. At different points, coffee has been a caffeine chewy. We might say <laughs> we made they took these fruits okay. and did some stuff to. It chew it, by the indigenous Haya people, probably using the native 
robusta species of coffee. Later, it was a colonized Arabica-based product distributed back to the colonizer's home country. Still later, it was a globally sold product from the indigenous Chaga people. I had to look this up. Chaga? Yeah, so there's a Haya people and a Chaga people. They're, they're indigenous um, peoples, different different uh, ethnic groups that are in the same kind of country. In Tanzania? Yeah. Mm-hmm. One, uh, one group lives uh, kind of on the west shore of Lake Victoria, one on the south slope of Mount Kilimanjaro. Interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, so the then they adapted the colonial practices and, and made a like a global market out of it. And then more recently, it's been a specialty coffee valued by craft coffee field featuring those Peaberry high-based lots. You know, Tanzanian Peaberry, you can find that. So anyway, Tanzanian single-origin coffee. How is the coffee and how do you find the connection? The coffee is is good as always. You've mm. never steered me wrong. Um, so I like the coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, can't say the same about the connection. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Do we have any Chaga students? Uh, maybe we no, do. Maybe we do. Maybe it we is, do. It is possible. I'm not sure we have anybody from Tanzania. It's possible. It's possible. I, I have seen Ethiopia on our list of oh, that's cool. foreign countries. Um, I I think I might need a little hand-holding through the connection. Yeah, well, here's what I was, I guess, going for as I refill my my cup. Um, I was kind of leaning into the multifaceted mm. uh, aspect of uh, Tanzanian coffee history, the fact that coffee is one thing, but it's not just one thing okay. through the lens okay. of Tanzania. So I figured today we're talking about one thing that is not just one thing. I see. So okay. what are we talking about today, Tom? So today we are talking about the variety of different kinds of students that you might encounter in mm-hmm. an online class. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was an idea you kind of brought to the table inspired by a faculty colleague of ours mm-hmm. here. And, mm-hmm. and I think you've named it the the three st- students you might meet in your online class. And That's I, right. I love that, that title. Um, sort of, I think, is it a is it a Mitch Album book or something? That sounds right. Yeah. Five people you meet in heaven or something, some, like, something that. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, it's sort of inspired by that, yes. that there are a variety of different types of students mm-hmm. that you will mm-hmm. potentially encounter in an online class. And, you know, they're all touching a different part of the elephant, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. still an elephant. No, that's right. And so at one level, it's just kind of thinking about uh, diversity of student experience and, and all that. But at another level, um, I like to frame it up as a, a bit of a, a call for better data on the needs of students enrolling on, on online classes, right? If we could we could assemble this. So maybe there's some caveats we'll issue here. Like one, um, you might think of this episode um, as it follows here as a bit of a thought experiment, right? We're going to talk about these um, these students, but these are these are ultimately hypothetical. They're, they're fed by, they're influenced by institutional data and instructor anecdote, but it's not like we have such robust data that they have given rise to what we're going to describe. Right. We right. wish we did. These are archetypes. That's right. Yeah. Of sorts. Yeah. Of sorts. You want to mention any of these other caveats here? Um, that um, 
you know, our lower division undergraduate courses, mm-hmm. the ones we call uh, part of our gen ed program, mm-hmm. um, tend to have more variation mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. different kinds of students that might show up in there um, than those that are maybe in the majors or especially at graduate level. Um, I, I find that um, my graduate students, because that's all I teach here, yeah. uh, tend to all be kind of non-traditional older students for, right. for the most part. Right. Right. Um, so they're a little more homogenous, even if they're not like the traditional kind of on-campus experience. But um, yeah, these undergraduate courses, they tend to involve a a lot of different types. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll throw one that's probably, I don't even think is in in your list. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the the 80-year-old, you know, retiree who's come back Mm -hmm. and um, is just auditing a course. Oh, yes, right, right, good. You know, I've seen that before. And um, even when I was an undergraduate, I remember there were some some older folks that were sitting in class with me because they were just interested. And, um, you know, that's a very different kind of uh, student profile Mm -hmm. than the the 19-year-old sophomore that's, that's, you know, working on their gen ed. Yeah. No, that, that's good. Although I think we'll find a place for that student on one probably. of the shelves that we'll talk about. Yeah. But not that we did. We don't get into that particular scenario. It's probably worth saying that sometimes we think we understand who our students are, and we make assumptions or maybe even incorrectly generalize based upon a subset of experiences or data or whatever outmoded data, and that potentially can lead us to make bad decisions. Mm. You know, if you de- you decide you make decisions based on who you think your students are, right. and, and that's wrong, then, ooh, you're, you're, you're like, you know, you're like the Apollo moon missions and your, your trajectory is one degree off and you're <laughs> headed to Mars somewhere. That's right. <laughs> Not the moon. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. And I don't know, you might think of this, you and I talked about this, we might think of this episode, 113, as a, a companion episode to episode 111. Onlineness, necessity, not convenience. A recent episode. That's yes. right. The yeah. B side, as it were. <laughs> yeah. And we should give shout outs to our uh, colleague, Dr. Amanda Groff, who was helpful in consulting on this episode. Yeah, she's always a, a great a great partner in, in all of the online work that we do. Award winning online. Award winning. Yeah. Right. And uh, and um, you know a member of our advisory group, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah, all kinds of great stuff from Amanda. So you can tell us about the big picture. What are we doing here, Tom? Yeah. So, um, and I'm going to give you credit because you've sort of structured this, but the idea is that we have three different circumstances, Mm -hmm. sort of life circumstances Mm -hmm. for for student profiles. And then we have five different four examples within those three. And that equals five plus three. Eight. Eight. If my new math is correct. Like season uh, eight. Just like season wow. eight. And, and I can only imagine, Kelvin, that that was just pure coincidence. It's amazing how things work out serendipitously. Part. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. So let's start with the first one. And the first one is sort of the, the most um, obvious, which is the traditional college age student, that high school student who matriculates into a college or university, that 18 to 24-year-old yep. undergraduate experience. And... Um, you know, maybe the first one is somebody that, that we have named Joshua. Yes. Good old Joshua. Joshua is a pure freshman. Uh, he turns 19 
very soon, next month even. God, mm -hmm. happy birthday, Joshua. Happy birthday. Yeah. And again, to repeat, these are all made-up people. Mm -hmm. um, was See the quotes in your brain as we say names. <laughs> criminal justice major, but he's not part of our online campus. Yeah. So he's a campus-based student who's taking an online course. That's right. He's mostly online this semester while um, completing his general ed. Two asynchronous online courses, one synchronous video course, mm -hmm. which is, happens to be a math class, in one blended course where mm -hmm. part of the course is online and part is face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. And he says he's looking forward to taking more online classes because he, he likes that he can be involved in his on-campus activities and to complete his coursework flexibly. That, and just as a note, we've talked about this in the mm -hmm. past, that mm -hmm. counterintuitively we've found here that some of these traditional age college students can engage more with the on-campus experience because of the flexibility of online classes, whether they're, mm -hmm. you know, intercollegiate athletes or they're in Greek life or they're in student government or something, they can really get involved in campus and have complete schedule flexibility, you know, because of online mm -hmm. options. Mm -hmm. So that's Joshua. That's Joshua. So a second uh, case study scenario, hypothetical student still in that first life circumstance category of high school to college, traditional age, 18 to 24, is who we'll call Cody. Cody's 22, and uh, Cody is um, hoping to graduate next semester, but Cody is going through chemotherapy and contemplating a medical withdrawal. Um, much to his advisor's chagrin, uh, he's taking two in-person classes and two fully online asynchronous, oh, excuse me, three fully online, asynchronous online courses. Uh, but this is his final GEP course. We should say that all the hypotheticals are like in the, this, they, they might be in the, the same general education course, which will remain nameless. So he's in that traditional age bracket. Mm -hmm. He came in that high school to college circumstance, but then life took a bit of a sharp left turn. Yeah, and you know what? While all of these are, you know, fictional, they're not. Yeah. You know, these right. are real right. circumstances that, that happen to people. That's right. And so, yeah, this this particular student is dealing with a serious life-threatening health thing, and he's still taking a 15-credit load, you know. Um, uh, how do we how do we help a student like that? And, you know, they're going to be sitting right next to a student who's just partying last night. And, That's you right. Know, That's right. You know, or virtually sitting, you yeah, know, yeah. online. Right. Virtually sitting. Yeah. Right. So second big life circumstance category is uh, what we might call the working student, uh, maybe in that age bracket of 25 to 40 years old. And uh, these, these, both of these next two life circumstances we might think of as adult life responsibility cohort A and adult life responsibility cohort B, mm -hmm. right? Just differentiated by their years on the planet. So this is working student 25 to 40. We've got two so two of these scenarios. Why don't you tell us about the first one? Um, actually, you go, you can tell about the first one. I'll talk about the second one. Oh yeah, you like the second one. I do. Okay, all right, yeah. that's fine. So the the Not first that one. I don't like the first <laughs> well, one. Yeah, well, yeah. that's okay. She's gonna she's gonna be offended. Uh, so the first one is Raquel. Raquel's twenty seven, and she's giving birth to her first child before the end of this semester. And uh, she's a hospitality management major, but not part of our exclusively online. You get reduced campus-based service fees. You know, she's just choosing to take online classes. And she planned 
a 100% online semester so that she could still complete the term without interruption, so she can continue on her, um, her academic path. So she's taking four asynchronous courses. She's not opposed to online courses personally. She just prefers being in a physical classroom, but she often will take one or two online courses to provide some additional flexibility in her schedule. She works full-time. Yeah, and, and you know what? I've, I've taught Raquel yes, right. um, <laughs> Me too. At, at the graduate level where somebody has actually had mm-hmm. a baby in the mm-hmm. middle of class. Uh, no, well, during the term, I should say. Presumably, yeah. Let me qualify yeah, that, right. clarify. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So not the, that kind of doctor. <laughs> not that kind of doctor. Absolutely not. And not much I could do online asynchronously no, for her sure. either. Um, Cheer. Good job. <laughs> so uh, that's Raquel. And yeah, that's, that's you know, a, a real kind of circumstance too. The, the next one is Marie. Mm-hmm. Marie's 33 years old and is active military. I've also taught Marie's in mm-hmm, the past, especially mm-hmm. at another institution that mm-hmm. I taught at that did a lot of military partnering. Uh, she's a political science major, and she is in UCF online. Mm-hmm. She's taking two asynchronous courses this term, fully online, and she's, she has another three terms to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she is interested in pursuing grad school after graduating, uh, presumably maybe using her um, her GI Bill mm-hmm. after she's probably using tuition assistance now. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've had uh, a Marie um, – contact me in the middle of the semester and she was in Kandahar uh, on a base and um, could not turn her stuff in on time because she was she the, the base had been attacked and they all had to respond like okay that's a real thing that students mm-hmm. are dealing with mm-hmm. I mentioned um, uh, in, a, in a recent episode that um, so as we're recording this the the military conflict in Ukraine is still going on yeah. we, we have a student she's not an active combatant. Mm-hmm. She's just a civilian, but she is, um, you know, hunkering down in an apartment in Kiev mm-hmm. right now, trying to complete two classes online mm-hmm. um, from from Ukraine in the midst of a war. Um, so it, you know, it happens. There are students out there. Yeah. So life circumstance number one was high school straight into college. Life circumstance number two is you're a working student. You're in that 25 to 40 age bracket. Life circumstance number three is what we might call generously an older student, um, 40 plus. Hey, <laughs> 40 plus. I resemble that remark. <laughs> you do, yeah. indeed. Yes, uh, 40 plus, older student. And uh, so you're kind of a mutation, uh, the, the hypothetical you threw out earlier, right? The, the auditing yeah. 80 retiree, um, I suppose, broadly uh, fits into that. But that's a, a specialized mutation. It is, and you don't see it that no, often. No, not too often. Well, you have to be really motivated to yeah. let it go audit a biology class. I was on campus today, though, just as an aside. In fact, I drove straight here from campus, and uh, we have something called LIFE, oh, which yeah, is an yeah. acronym for older. Learning Institute for Elders. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, it must have been happening today. Mm. Ah, yes. <laughs> you can always tell. The the, <laughs> the per capita uh, over 40 crowd goes, yes, goes yeah. up highly. O- o- over 60 crowd. Yeah. Over 70 crowd. Yeah. And so it's great always to see them on campus, and they're always, um, you know, Really engaged, so That's just right. as, a, as an aside. So we just have one uh, hypothetical here that we'll we'll flesh out a little bit in this uh, third um, life circumstance category, uh, and then we'll make some broad comments before we're out of here. So our case study scenario uh, in this age bracket is Germaine. Germaine is fifty six. She's returning to school to get an undergraduate degree. She's an anthropology major through our exclusively online program that we call UCF Online, and she's taking 
three asynchronous online courses this term. And uh, as her instructor likes to say, she's very enthusiastic. She, she, she emails a lot. <laughs> first to post in these <laughs> discussions. Right. Yeah, first to respond. That's right. Yeah, I love Jermaine. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, all that's right. right. So that's three life circumstances and five examples. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we were saying this, I imagine you probably were thinking of your own personal yes, examples. Yeah, of um, but but I, our hope is that these, these kind of archetypes of sorts mm-hmm. will resonate with you and you'll say, oh, yeah, I recognize that person. That person has been in my class. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, we might just kind of maybe start off with saying the there's hypothetical students we think we're serving, like, you know, whatever's in your head. Sometimes I know when I'm teaching online, if I'm building a course or I'm, I'm actively teaching, I'm, I'm thinking of a, like a mental picture sometimes. And it's based on something. You know, maybe it's based on if students introduced themselves earlier in the term or students from a prior semester or whatever. You got that hypothetical. So that's a thing, but that's somewhat different than those students who actually are enrolling in our online classes, right? Now, either way, uh, like back in that uh, episode 111, online courses should always be online. They need to have onlineness. But the way that we carry out that onlineness might be a little different if the, the kind of the student demographic, student profile, student life circumstance tilts. That happened to me years ago. Um, you were talking about graduate students. I had graduate students who, when I first was teaching this one class, they were, like you said, very much that non-traditional student working, blah, blah, blah. Over years, I started to see, I don't know if it was like the economic downturn a few years ago. I started seeing this larger proportion of they just got their undergraduate degree and they're straight in. And it was a qualitatively different dynamic. I bet. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. It's like, whoa, wait a second. They don't, they're not bringing all this yeah. life experience. They're like, how many pages do I have to write? I mean, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but you know, having those data, that kind of data, um, can can help inform your course design, right? Yes. Can it help inform the, the practices that you that you implement? So, That's right. I don't know. For example, say you you um, have a an online program at a you know residentially focused liberal arts college, and the students that you're serving are mostly the students who are also on campus. And it's a, it's yep. a way to, mm-hmm. you know, expand offerings without building buildings or something. Mm-hmm. But you're not really doing outreach to grow your student population or into the community, but it's really just, you might be able to schedule more kind of synchronous mm-hmm. things and yep. expect students to show up because they're kind of already there mm-hmm. on your campus. But if you're a, a community college that is urban and you're serving the community of, of a lot of, say, uh, non-traditional adult learners who are working different shifts and stuff. You you can't require ten o'clock on Tuesday morning mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of you know expectation. So both of have, knowing who your students are will allow you to to create the best possible experience for them. Yeah, absolutely. And just building on that, pulling that thread a little bit. Conversely, like you could make some assumptions about that residential student experience, right? You could go, oh, we'll do more synchronous online, real time, you know, because they're, they're not that busy. They don't have adult life sort responsibilities. But remember our scenario with Joshua here, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he enjoys the flexibility. He's got that one synchronous class, but he's got several other asynchronous classes, and it's allowing him to do things at other times rather than 
right when the, the class yeah. says to yeah. be in the room. Well, and even take Joshua's friend who was partying last night, <laughs> who shall remain nameless. That's right. Yeah. Uh, his name may or may not be Kelvin. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that student, so how much, how much did we see during the pandemic where we offered like a high flex or what we call the blend flex course mm-hmm. here where the students had the option of whether or not to attend in person or to watch the recording mm-hmm. later. And over the course of the term, students just stopped coming, right? Mm-hmm. They just started watching, especially if that class happened to be at 8 o'clock in the morning on a Monday. Hmm, yeah. So, um, you know, students might, even a traditional age student, might choose to interact with the course in a different way just based on preference. And, you know, whether or not you want to accommodate that, it can be up to you and your particular style as a as a faculty member in designing that course. Mm-hmm. It just helps to know who we are teaching, who we're designing for, who mm-hmm. we're serving. And, uh, you know, existing institutional data can tell us certain things about the student body as a whole um, and maybe about specific courses like maybe the percentage of first time in college straight out of high school versus transfer students, you know, big, broad thing. That gets you, you know, to a point. But maybe new data requests, you know, if we can work closely with institutional research offices, we can identify proportions of students who exhibit certain kinds of course-taking behaviors. Like maybe we ask for, well, show me what proportion of students have taken like a a three-semester sprint of online courses. Mm -hmm. Like they're not committed forever, right? you know, they didn't sign up for UCF online, but they are clearly committed. So if that ends up being like a, a bigger percentage than you thought, you might step back and go, ooh, right. how are we reaching out? How are we serving? What are their needs? Blah, 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 blah. But that's still the, this big data grouping. There's other lines of inquiry that will help us to flesh out something approximating the scenarios like we depicted here, probably never to this degree of specificity, right? No. But, you know, it, it'll take talking to people, focus groups, surveys. Yeah, like you did with Amanda Groff, yep. um, you know, who's a really engaged faculty yes. member, but just, you know, talking to faculty um, and, and getting their sense. I mean, yes. just even the story you just told about how you noticed this thing, yeah. this changing right. kind right. of demographics of your students. That's right. That's notable, yeah. right? right. That's right. And it, it, if you choose to, you could... It affects what you do. Right. right. <laughs> Let's not do things the same way. <laughs> you know, uh, well, and at the end of the day, it's all about student success, right? Yes, I mean, that's right. And we want to create courses, not, not that we're pandering mm-hmm. or that we're letting students shape the curriculum or anything right. like that, but it's really just how do we create the most effective courses to accomplish our learning objectives? That's right. I mean, course design, as you said, faculty development, um, success coaching, even our diversity, equity, inclusivity goals, right? I mean, are we being, are we representing, you know, the student who we have at this institution in scenarios in the courses, right. whatever, right. you right. know, all that. So um, I think my coffee has run down and I think the landing gear on the plane is down. Yeah. So do you want to bring us in for a landing? I will, I will try to. Yes, our, our, our time elapses. So why don't we try this for, for a, a wrap-up Uh, summary. Students have varied life circumstances that may cause them to want to take online courses. 
better collecting and sharing of data can ensure that those of us in online higher education have a clearer vision of how to best serve all of our students. How's that? That sounds good. And it's a good summary of what we just talked about. Yes. Thank you for the uh, Tanzanian coffee. Yes. I appreciate it. Yeah. And until next time for TopCast, I'm Tom. I'm Kelvin. See ya. Thought we were over and I shouldn't do the plug. No, you know, we, 